and welcome to the very 154th episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast that is always about board games. My name is Tom Brewster, and I'm a board game, and I am joined today by Ava Foxfort. And I'm a board game. Everyone's a board game if you take them apart into lots of little components and put them on t- on a table and just have fun with Please it. don't do that to me. <laughs> Uh, on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about a trio of games. We're going to start with Lunar Capital, a game about doing capitalism on the moon. And we're then going to talk about a pair of games that I think you described, Ava, as games that were one thing and are now a different thing. That's Yeah, that's true. That's the thing that happened to them. They were something and they're now another something. And those two games are Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition a game about going to Mars and terraforming it, but smaller, and The Lost Cities Roll and Write, a game about rolling and writing and venturing into ruins. That's what we're talking about on this podcast. I always get this weird sort of energy when it's me and you on a podcast because it does feel like we're a little bit like, you know, we've we described it previously as the dads aren't here cast. Yeah. We're sort of like slightly off the rails in the sort of non-bounded podcast zone. We're like, we've been let loose in the McDonald's child's play area of podcasts. Yeah, that's it. I'm about to jump into the ball pit. Um, yeah. Maybe there's going to be a cake brought along in a minute. Um, who, I who am running into happen? a wall as fast as I can. I did that a lot at those, uh, at those child's play areas. I recently like visited my home and had a look at some old uh, photos that were were stashed around there and I found a photo of like a child's McDonald's party that I had and there's just one really wonderful photo (laughs) where everyone like this entire gang of kids is charging around a corner uh, but I inexplicably (laughs) am facing the wrong way (laughs) like I've got no idea what's going on and it just feels very on brand for my slightly odd dark childhood that is an album cover in the making (laughs) Ava do you like the roll and write game Welcome To? Oh, I actually have like really mixed feelings about it. Just like, say, I, just say, just say yes, just say okay, yes. Okay, yes. Do you like good art? Yes. Do you like slightly more mechanical grit in a way that means I don't know if I can recommend it to everyone like I can with Welcome To? That that feels like a harder sell. <laughs> Lunar Capital is a game about getting everything in the right place in space. Oh. Do you like my sales pitch? I work really hard on it. Uh, this yeah. is a combination tile-laying, card-placing, combo-generating game where you're trying to make the best lunar colony with a big, large, contiguous blocks of points and during the game you're going to be placing cards into rows and these cards have empty slots that you're going to put tiles on that are going to have all kinds of like lunar functions on them each of these cards typically has three or four spaces available and what you're going to put on those spaces are these tiles so by placing the cards you're building a grid to fill with tiles I hope that makes sense because it's hard to sort of like get across something when you're just saying the word tiles and grids and cards a lot. But basically you're laying cards out in a row to make a big grid of spaces. Now, 
These tiles are various little bits of lunar apparatus that you want to build in big splotches to get points. If you put lots of oxygen generators together, you get points. If you put your oxygen generator workers near your oxygen generators, you also get points. If you build sales offices, you get points. If you put meteors down, you get points if you've got the most of them, etc., etc. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. That's got a lot of points in it. I think I got nearly a hundred i think i got a hundred maybe more in my game of it and that's loads um does this sound like a game it sure does uh but let me tell you about lunar capital's exciting wrinkles so the reason that i compare this to welcome to is because the cards that you're placing uh these tiles on are numbered cards and you have to be placed them in ascending order but when the tiles you're placing on these cards need to be adjacent not having the right card to slot into the right row is a nightmare because each turn you're selecting a pair of tiles and cards from this central board so the first round you'll be picking one card and one tile you place the card you have to place the tile on the second round guess what two card wait not two cards one card and two tiles third round three tiles fourth round four tiles fifth round back to one tile and that's kind of the whole game that I've explained here. You just put down cards, you put tiles on the cards, you make a lunar colony, and you score points. And there's other systems in here, like little robots that change the numbers of your cards and other fun little things. But the core is this like lovely tile placement game with just bags of gorgeous art. If you want to look up a picture of this game, it looks really nice. It's kind of all cell shaded and with lots of like bold blue colours and blocky sort of rounded edges it's a nice looking game i do like a bit of uh, bold blue like blue is like definitely like i'd never call it like my favorite color but like it could be mm. it can be really nice yeah it can be really it's nice. got lots of different shades of sort of bluey purple and things like that it's just a really lovely production and i think that yeah i mean that's probably one of the most important things about this game like it is a gorgeous production and it has one of the best you know when a game doesn't have an insert but the pieces all fit into the box in such a way that it like can't possibly move it's got that like it's got these assemblable cardboard card holders and tile holders and they all slot into there's like a blueprint in the bottom of the box that shows you where everything goes so it all packs away perfectly and it won't budge when you shimmy it around which is important because there's tons of little loose cardboard pieces that would be a nightmare to like if they flew all around in the box i guess you could just put them in bags if you weren't extra like i am extra you are extra with the packaging you you, you labeled the packages for your twilight imperium didn't you i did yeah. i labeled twilight imperium i've got a ridiculous system for storing all my root stuff uh it's bonkers <laughs> actually i've been packing up uh some games to go and donate to, to various places and when i'm packing them up I'm like restoring them as I go in a way that I find really restful, but no one's going to actually appreciate that. Um, what, wait, what do you mean? Wait, what, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean by restoring? Like, what are you doing? Are you like, like re, like co- uh, co- coloring in or like? So I'm, I, I'm going to get judged maybe by like the people out there, but like if they've got like a sort of old grody plastic bag that I'm putting them in like new ones that I've got left over from other games. So all the plastic bags are like really little baggies are nice so that they're all like fresh and new. And then like, I'm making sure that all the, like everything's sorted correctly. And like, I'm laying it all in the box. So it's very aesthetic that when you open it up and then like, I've been taping that boxes, like the inside edges of the box so that it, you know, you know, when you get that thing where the corners sort of start to fray and bend now they're all like double stabilized. I don't know. It's a huge waste of company time, to be honest. But, um, it's very, very like it. deeply considerate, though. So that's sweet. I, that's sweet. I love 
I've, I've said this before to various members of the team who've been really confused by it, especially Quinns, who leaves like tokens, like he'll punch out half a sheet of punch board and just leave the rest in the box because, oh, it, it drives me mad. It drives me mad. It's like, we're like, well, what if we need those coins? And he's like, we won't. And we always do. We always have to punch out all the coins. Just punch out all the coins. It's fun to punch out Punchboard. He's been doing it for too long. Maybe that's why. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's an argument for like distributing the fun that you get from punching Punchboard into like lots of separate little bits of fun rather than He one. doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't enjoy it. He does he it out of laziness. Yeah. This is this is pretty scalding. This is some this is some bad stuff. People are going to be sending Punchboard hate mail. I mean, I was about to say that like Quinn's is Quinn's is like probably the least on a scale of like agent of chaos to like quite sensible. Quinn's is probably at the sensible end of the spectrum within the team. He's but a very sensible. I sensible feel like man. this is this is like his like little dark horse agent of chaos side yeah. playing through and just like, yeah, well, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna punch out all of the things. Gonna have to pull out yeah. a punch board halfway through a game and like poke it into someone's eye. <laughs> um yeah anyway we were talking about luna capital at one point yeah we were we were do we still have more to say about luna capital i kind of feel like the fact that we just went on a like massive tangent about uh satisfying box stuff implies that you're not super excited about this game okay well here's the thing i think i'm weirdly excited about this game in a way that maybe i shouldn't be in that a lot of the stuff in here is really great like it's a really great box i think this is a really solid fun little thing but i just for some reason i think it's maybe that that production is so nice and i don't know i kind of like the theme and i like the art so much that like it's sort of become more than just the actual systems on display but the systems are pretty simple uh my comparison to welcome 2 might seem a little bit silly but this game feels like it in a lot of ways you're sort of building this ascending row of cards instead of filling in houses, but you leave little spots open for the hope of a perfect little thing to slot in later. And you have that, you know, that choice of a sort of number and a power, but the powers are the tiles that you're placing on the numbers. I think the problem might be that it's a little bit too gritty to be a game that you can show to everyone like you can with Welcome 2. Like Welcome 2, you can put in front of anyone and you can explain it very quickly. It's just a game about putting numbers in a grid. But I think that Lunar Capital maybe has a little bit too many bells and whistles and it might be a bit confusing, especially in the way that all the different buildings score. And if we're talking about the scores, they have been incredibly close every time I've played the game. But that's normally the sign of a good game. But these are not just close, but similar. Like, there's been very low changes in the actual number of points that we've scored. It's just who was a shade ahead of the other person. Yeah. Hold on, I'm going to quickly check what my actual scores were so I can verify that. Because I've got the box. I've got the box right here. You've got the box. Do we do? Do we have some score verification music to play underneath this? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. I found the scores in my in one of my games. The scores were a hundred to a hundred and three, and in the other game, a hundred and four to a hundred and six. Oh, that's another very like, close. Really interesting thing in games is that like, is it better when the scores are nice and close, or when there's a bit of variance in the points? Because if the scores are nice and close, sometimes that means that the game is actually on rails and it's, it's got like the bumpers up on the on the bowling mm. alley that mean that like essentially you're probably always going to get about the same points and then is that interesting because that means you've got to be like really squeezing that efficiency or is it boring mm. because actually it's just going to be a question of who concentrated enough at the right time which you don't know when that time is so it's a bit it's a bit yeah yeah 
I think it's I think that I don't I never tend to have a problem with scores being close. I think it's either a game is sort of either interesting. This sounds this is ridiculous and this is no one clip this and call me out on it later because it's a ridiculous <laughs> rule to have. But I feel like it's either interesting when a game has points that are really 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 close or like wildly far away from each other. And like the things in between is like standard game, but then it's a cause for concern on either end which is a interesting little rub i always yeah. find like if you can get absolutely pancaked or you can you know be leagues ahead those are the that's that's the most exciting part to me or if there's just there's just a breadth in between it but then i feel like that's only if those i feel like on the on the close end of the spectrum that's only if those numbers are really close and also small if it's like the difference between like six and four points in mm. a in a big long game that's juicy yeah. God, this is so ridiculous. This is so, but... this is so like, not not quite inside baseball, but just, like, deep, deep, inside nerdy board game games. theory, board yeah. game, board game, board game. It's not even game theory. It's just what we think, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> um... <laughs> that's what game theory is, Tom. It's my theories oh, yeah, about true. games. <laughs> that, that's not what game theory is. Um, but, so, but, yeah, my main concern is the fact that those scores were were similar both times and we did quite well in both games i think both of us both people playing were playing very uh, on our a game and i still think this is a very solid very fun thing and the production is really lovely um i just don't know if i've got room for it in my collection but i think with a small box and with a simple rule set this is like one of those games that i'd be keen to give as a gift to someone it's that kind of thing it's just this it's this nice joyous thing that i don't know how many plays you'll get out of it total but like assembling those little cardboard card holders and then learning the rules and looking at all the art and there's these little robots that you can put on your cards and it's just cute it does sound it's nice just cute and it's charmed me and and you say it's gritty does that mean it's hard to teach or hard to be good at Ooh, probably hard to on the harder to teach end of the spectrum if you're yeah. talking to people who haven't played because i think that the the market for this would be people who've played welcome to and want something a little bit more complicated it's not anything that like people who play a lot of board games won't be able to handle it's just like i played this uh with my mum recently and i showed her the game and she just struggled with how each of the tiles scored and what the different symbols on the tiles meant because it's represented by iconography what scores and where how it scores um, and she had to write down the scoring criteria on a post-it note so she could mm-hmm. check it during the game, uh, which that'll give you an idea of the sort of yeah, what's yeah, in yeah, that yeah, box. Yeah. That's sweet, though. I quite like that as well. I think that's charming to have a little post-it note of scoring criteria yeah. on a game. It's Although in the probably box indicates that there should be a reference card for that in the game somewhere. But I that, anyway. I think there is. I think, oh, or maybe, okay. or maybe there isn't. I have no idea. There's a scoring reference and there's manuals in all the... La- this is just because I've got the box open next to me. Yeah. This is not useful. Anyway, that is Lunar Capital. We've rambled about it for too long. Let's get in to the meat of the pod meat, and chew meat, it off meat. the pod bone. Let's talk about the two games that were games that were like one thing and now are games that are like a different thing. Ava, tell us about some games. Yeah, so this is a trend that we've had a little bit more, I think, over the last last uh, decade or so of board gaming. God, I don't know. I don't. I'm very bad with time, so I don't know whether it's a decade or not. But like, where it's fairly common for a game to do well, and then because it's got that name rec- recognition, 
there's a move to say, right, well, let's do another game. It's got the same branding. We can reuse some of the graphic design and some of the some of the mechanics, but shift it into a different format. And it's kind of like already a chunk of our marketing is done for us, which is a massive win. Um, so the two games that I'm looking at here, and we're going to do them one at a time rather than trying to compare them too much, because that would be very messy in my own brain, um, are Terraforming <laughs> Mars Ares Expedition, which I'm having to work so hard not to call Arse Exhibition every time that I say <laughs> it, which I really shouldn't do on a professional podcast, but it's no. what my brain sees when it sees those words. Um, I which think is... it's because I also keep referring to it as Arse Exhibition in Slack in a way that's probably not very helpful. No, I mean, you know, when I'm not on a podcast, I, that's all I'm going to call it, but because um, <laughs> <laughs> I am basically a child. Um, but it is a version of Terraforming Mars that kind of I don't even know whether it strips it down and it's one of these mm. weird ones where ostensibly it's the card game version of terraforming Mars but there is still a board even if it's just keeping track of a lot less stuff and there's already it's got about the same amount of cards in it as terraforming Mars does so I don't I don't it's not necessarily more or less card gamey it's just a different take on it um and the other game we're looking at is another like combination of trends this trend for like doing versions of it and the trend that we've got for roll and rights and that's the lost cities roll and right which is a rhino canizia design that is a dice based and writing on a piece of paper version of an old uh card game that is very good a very good two-player card game and this is very a, a kind of version of it for more players and with more randomness but um it's interesting, but we'll get back to that. Let's talk about terraforming Mars. Tell me about terraforming Mars and give the people a bit of his give them a bit of a history lesson on what the terraforming Mars is. Well, terraforming Mars is an interesting game that did very well. It's very high on the BGG rankings. It's a very popular game. Like most of the people I've played it with are super into it. I think I am. I think I'm the person on the team on the shut up and sit down team who likes it the most um mm. and i i feel a little bit overplayed with it but i think it is a very solid game and i really love there's some little details of storytelling in it that i think are great anyway let's actually talk about the game terraforming mars itself is a board game with a huge deck of cards which are all of the projects that you need to use to turn mars from a red planet into a like vaguely habitable place um and it in my plays of it it's turned it from a red planet to a red planet with a blue and green bit in the middle. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what that's what it tends to be. And it does, it does, it is I think one of the most interesting things about Terraforming Mars is that it is clearly made. It's made by uh, Jacob Frixelius, I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, who is an ex-science teacher, possibly still a science teacher, knowing board games where people aren't always permanently in the thing. Um and he uh clearly love science he clearly like i've always found it really cute like it's obviously inspired by uh the mars trilogy red mars blue mars and green mars by kim stanley robinson and like in the original game the um example players in all of the examples in the in the manual are kim and stanley and robinson which i think is so sweet um and <laughs> like 
and it cares about the science and it wants to be like teaching you just a little bit and actually giving you like these are proposed technologies that people have said might be able to deal with some of the problems that would be faced by a group of people trying to terraform mars it loses some of the radical politics of the kim stanley robinson books um because it kind of just turns it into a fairly straightforward like this is capitalism take capitalism to space we're all corporations competing to do the most space (laughs) and like that that's which is present in the books to my knowledge i haven't actually read them and i'm just kind of bluffing that i have um and it it takes that and it goes right we're corporations we're going to do this we're going to build trees we're going to build and it's like so the the thing we were saying about making it a little bit blue and a little bit green Mm -hmm is basically answered in the fact that like it's not really saying let's make mars into a paradise and bearing in mind that each round is supposed to be a generation so a literal generation of people it is talking about how hard this job would be um but it is also the thresholds are like bare like just enough atmosphere to for there to be able to be like some weather sort of thing (laughs) and just enough temperature that like there will be a bit on the poles which will still have wet water in the summer sort of thing and just enough grass to have pets just enough grass card that is in the game right yeah, yeah yeah and this is and so the game is actually about these interlocking networks of like i've got um, I've got this kind of bacteria, which means that this type of animal, which is going to do well, which means that I'm going to be able to do this thing over here and this thing over here. And it's it's really interested in those webs of different ideas working together. Or like, I've built a catapult that will shoot things back to Earth, which means that now I get more points for Earth stuff because Earth likes me more. And like, and and it's it's interesting in particular and it's somewhat dry but also does occasionally let you like collapse a small moon and throw it (laughs) at a planet and that ends up like destroying someone else's plants which means effectively you've just like launched a planet at their garden and there's something Mm. there's there's something cute about those sort of interactions and and things that i think you can tell it's that classic dry economic game storytelling where the the story is so boring and abstracted that you can kind of layer over a more interesting fun story oh yeah quinn's uh quinn's always uses the example of putting a uh putting an old people's home next to a cliff edge in suburbia yeah uh which i always find delightful yeah but by the sounds of things by you explaining terraforming mars you've kind of explained what terraforming mars Ares expedition is right uh in the by the from to my novice eyes i've only played terraforming mars using the digital computer app Ares expedition is just the same game but smaller and with cards to a large extent yes and i don't even know whether it's smaller it certainly advertises itself at being quicker and for a first game our game was definitely quicker than a first game of terraforming Mm. mars um so i think it is quicker but it is also it's slightly it it falls in a weird place where i think it's not quite different enough and not quite the same enough so it, which which we'll get into so the main thing that is missing from terraforming mars ares expedition is 
there is a central board. It's still got something that you're turning from red to blue to fill in the oceans, but it's no longer a like area management game and a tire laying thing that like has that really cares about what order you do things on that map. Like it's actually mm-hmm. just for the sake of a planet and a couple of trackers for points and the atmosphere and water and temperature that you're trying to raise in the uh, in the game so it's more of a tracker than an actual board that you interact with like in regular terraforming mars there's points for building cities and surrounding them with forests and owning stuff and there's 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 placement issues that you just don't have to think mm-hmm. of here at all they're not they're not relevant to it Um, The other big change is turning it from a game where you take turns and you take two actions or one or two actions per round. And then when everyone has run out of actions, you do a production phase. It lifts that out completely and turns it into a... Actually, I think that Twilight Imperium is the best comparison. Um, Whoa. I, just not not the whole of Twilight Imperium, but one tiny, tiny fragment of Twilight Imperium. You're telling me they put war suns in Terraform there's, Mars? There's now war suns That's on Mars. Crazy. There's not war suns on Mars. No, what they've done is okay. taken something a bit like the strategy cards in Twilight Imperium. So in this, the way that this works is that you, each of the players has a deck of cards, a, a tiny hand of cards that list all of the potential phases that will happen during uh each round of the game and you all have a look at these and you pick one and you put it face down and you can't pick the one that you picked last time so you don't pick that up until after you've placed your new one and then you flip it all over simultaneously so you've got this action selection thing where oh so sort of like um roll for the galaxy or race for the galaxy as well uh do you know what i've played so little of those games that i don't actually (laughs) know to my to my shame with race for the galaxy because i played those games using board game arena without knowing the rules (laughs) so maybe that's how the game works people could probably correct me in the comments if if not i mean it basically means it's got it's got two layers to that decision and the first of them is that only phases that get picked by any player will happen in that round so there's a phase where you're allowed to build green card there's a phase where you're allowed to build a blue card Uh, there's a phase where you can take the actions on the cards that you've already built and do the standard actions Um, there's a production phase where you actually get the stuff that you've built up and there's a research phase where you can get new cards and of those five phases uh, if you're playing with less than five players which you will be because it only goes up to four players then one of those phases is definitely not going to happen and if mm-hmm. multiple people pick the same thing, then lots of those phases might not happen. Mm. You might have a one-phase turn. You might have a two-phase turn. I was playing with three players, and unfortunately, in fact, I'll get back to that. But there's there's an unfortunate side effect of this kind of system that I mean thinks it doesn't sing quite as well as it does. But to keep on explaining, as well as deciding which phases will happen, so the only way you can guarantee that the thing that you want to do the most this turn is to pick the pick the card. Um, you also get a little bonus if you pick the card. So even if you pick the same thing as someone else, you're still getting a little treat that goes with it, which might be building okay. an extra card or a little discount or a little bit of extra money or something. Something will happen slightly differently if you select the card. So there's incentive to do it for that reason. But there's also this kind of like 
sort of interesting second guessing of like if you know someone else is going to pick the green action then that means you can safely pick the other action but if you aren't sure then do you still need to pick the green action so that they have to do something this else is, this is from race for the galaxy is it, it exactly is. the same thing yeah it is i promise yeah I, it's all coming back to me now <laughs> it's all coming back to me now yeah even though i lost yeah well i, I should probably have been aware of that but so twilight Imperium may not have been the best uh comparison <laughs> but but what about the there. war sons? They're still there, right? There's no war sons. You can't. I mean, to be fair, I don't know. We played a full game and I think we saw less than half of the deck. So um, yes. any statements I make about the deck might be inaccurate as a result of that because we didn't actually get through <laughs> the entire thing. Well, so this is what I want to know, right? Is is this game at about 20 quid cheaper at time of recording, as far as I can see on the internet? Has it still got the best part of terraforming mars from what i can tell having played the digital version which is the breadth of the cards and that sort of feeling of number go up juice that that game has okay like is this still something like does this stand up against terraform mars as an alternative purchase is it something that you'd you would recommend to people who want to dip their toes in those marsy waters so hard tom (laughs) (laughs) so like the the points going up juice absolutely there's loads of juice and the points go up you get more and more powerful you do more and more elaborate things and that's cool the card breadth i think and bear in mind i did just make a caveat for a specific reason which is that i haven't seen all of the cards in the game i've seen like one third of maybe like a bit more than half of the game plus some of the ones that other people had but on the basis of the cards that i had there was less of the like really exciting cards like so many more of the cards to me felt like they were just um get more of this resource 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 and there was less of the kind of like there were still there but there there were it felt to me like there was less interesting combinations of like right do this which makes this cheaper which means you can do this and do that and and those like fun little cycles and weird discounts that apply to specific things i felt like there was at least slightly less of that and that's sort of less fun and so i found the cards a lot less inspiring and a lot less narrative Mm. than the ones in base terraforming mars Um, okay but that 20 quid price difference if that's if that's accurate (laughs) <laughs> which it might not be which it might not that was be just a cursory glance <laughs> yeah no and, and prices of games are fluctuating quite heavily at the moment and you never know when you've just caught something at a weird time so there's a couple of problems that i have with it and like one of them is that that action selection thing is really cool except as i played it with three players we got into a very clear rut and this could have been all of us playing non-optimally it could have been a load of different things but basically for the first third or even half of the game we had Mm. exactly the same pattern of playing (laughs) cards like one turn two people would pick green and one people would pick blue the next turn two people would pick orange and one person would pick yellow and you just go back and forth between that between that kind of building stuff and producing stuff and building stuff and producing stuff and building stuff and producing stuff so one of the most interesting decisions in the game or one of the things that looks like it's the thing that makes it more exciting than terraforming Mars potentially is less is less than it could be. Yeah. Is, is Well, it sounds like 
it what you ended up doing was having turns that were that you could have just read out a, a standard round progression thing rather than have that system in the first place yeah. potentially or that's how it boiled down to in your games. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, for, which it, which it isn't enough games to make like a kind of definitive statement about that. So I'm not I'm not saying that that's like that's the major problem. The thing that I think was more of an issue was it's nice that everything is simultaneous. You're choosing your thing simultaneously, and then you are um, revealing stuff. And if you if everyone at the table trusts each other and isn't that interested in in actually going through stuff, you can take every phase. You can just do simultaneously. Woof. Um, so that can be really fast, but it somehow isn't, and it felt okay. it felt quite like slow and clunky to me because either we wanted to like watch what other people were doing, so we were taking turns. Uh, or someone was being impatient and someone was trying to take turns so that they could see what was going on and other people weren't. Or mm. some ter- sometimes one person would have a really difficult long decision to make and everyone else wouldn't. And so you'd right. just be- still be waiting for someone to take their turn. But because that isn't the formality of like, ah, oh, it's your turn and your turn and your turn, that doesn't feel like it's extra thinking time or that doesn't feel like it's extra... Um, capacity to do something else or it doesn't even feel like you're watching someone have their narrative it was just a bit a, a bit kind of like socially clunky as a result of of that <laughs> um okay i can see it everyone's eyes burning into one player as they crunch through a huge amount of turn time yeah i am i i am fully aware of this being a real problem in games generally yeah and it sounds like having the idea of of it being real time puts more pressure in a weird way than less interesting yeah i think so i mean not real time yeah i think so i was expecting it to be um much like pacier and more interesting but as it was it just meant i paid less attention to what was on those cards less attention to what my um other players were doing and but i did (laughs) i did really enjoy it I do think it, oh. I do think it's solid. Okay. Um, I do think for if I if I didn't have either game, and it was twenty quid cheaper, I would probably be more willing to take a punt on this because I think you dip it your is, toes into the yeah. water. Um, I think it's also as a game, from my understanding, a hard sell because it doesn't have a huge amount of player interaction. Yeah. So you need to be prepared, you know, you're dipping into that kind of branch of game. And this sounds like a good way into it, even if maybe it doesn't have the highs and lows of the full box with all of its mad cards and long playtime. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. That's what I've understood. I think that that... From, I think... from Ava's, Ava's, Ava's Ares expedition. <laughs> yeah, I think on the basis of my expedition, which I still think is limited, and I'm, I am going to be playing it again, and I do want to find out more about it. If you already have Terraforming Mars um, and you adore it, uh, but you want a different version of it where you have less player interaction, don't have to think about placement on the board and can probably play it in less time, um, then this is a fairly easy, like, yeah, you're probably going to like it. You're probably going to be a little bit dissatisfied that it's not quite different enough, (laughs) but it's a nice box it's it's a little bit smaller um so that's terraforming Mars Ares expedition a slightly different and not necessarily better but not necessarily that much worse version of a very popular game that 
a lot of people are going to rush out and buy whatever I say. And I don't think they'll regret it. I think they might be like, can you be disappointed but not regret? Regretful. Like, yes. Feel like, because that's where I was with it. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is, this is, this will probably stick around in the collection for a bit at least. And I don't feel like I've wasted my money, even though it's not what I hoped it would have been. Well, how about we then segue smoothly on to whether this next game fits in the same category of the Lost Cities, Roll and Write, designed by Rainer Knizia and published by Cosmos. Ava, tell us about how they've rolled and written all over the lovely Lost Cities. Honestly, I'm slightly concerned that my conclusion is going to be exactly the same. It's a little spoiler for you. So... (laughs) Right. Lost Cities is a lovely little dueling card game um, about slightly grim theme of exploration and expeditions. And it is a kind of push your luck card counting thing where there are expeditions of different colours and you are racing your opponent to try and complete those expeditions first. Um, However, there's this trap of because it's expensive to mount an expedition, when you start the expedition you are immediately losing points as a result of having started that expedition. (laughs) Um, And you have to keep on committing to it and getting further and further to get to the point where you can do that. Um, And you're doing this with a finite deck of cards that only has one of each number for each of the coloured cards. And you are sharing that deck with your opponent, which means that you can stop them from having things and the information in your car and your hand is a secret bit of like well i know that you're not going to be able to complete that um expedition or you're going to have more trouble than you think you're going to have with that expedition if i keep hold of this card but if i don't keep hold of this card if i do keep hold of this card then i and don't go on the expedition then i'm also clogging up my hand and reducing my options and that's got Mm. bad problems to it um, I played this recently with Quinns for the first time, the lovely new uh, Cosmos edition of the game. It's gorgeous uh, with really, really nice art. And I was amazed at how good and how tense and mean and funny this game can be. Yeah. Uh, I was really amazed by Lost Cities. I think it is an absolute gem. I mean, it's been around since like 1999. It's a year younger than me. So it's like... Of course it's good. It's stuck around for that long. But it's definitely one that I would like go out and scream to recommend to anyone who wants something that is tense and mean and brutal. Like the fact that you lose 20 points as soon as you go on an expedition <laughs> sets the scene for something that is going to be a real cruncher. And then playing a card into the sort of pile that people can just take stuff from knowing your opponent like might want it. Yeah. Oh, it's so juicy. It, it's such a juicy game. It's so juicy. Every single decision in that is really sharp and... Um, really clever and really really interesting and and it's things like the fact that you can do you can put an agreement on something which doubles the points that you get for that but that doubles the negative points as well as the positive points and it's so like it feels so scary if you do that and you don't know whether you can do it because you've basically just like thrown a gordon down to yourself and given your (laughs) and given your opponent like pure knowledge about exactly how they can wreck you the most um, yeah, and, exactly what your intentions are yeah. yeah it's it's lovely and all of that stuff is really really clever and i really like it right and almost none of that stuff is in oh <sighs> it's not not in there at all it's just in there in such a different way that um like i i like spoiler there is no way that i would recommend the roll and write version over the base version 
right? Okay. And I Interesting. thought I thought I knew that completely going into this. And I was like, I looked at it and I was like, right, so let me just give you the basic concept without any of the detail and I'll see what you think about it. Um mm-hmm. It is is the same basic thing. You're going on expeditions. There's six different colors of expeditions and you're trying to get as far as you can and you lose points if you don't get far enough and you gain points if you get far enough. And that's that. However, instead of using a deck of cards, you're using dice. Okay? Right. And what the dice yes. are is three dice that are all the different colors of expeditions and three dice that are numbers from naught to nine. I'm with you so far. You roll those dice and you choose some dice that, and you choose a combo of dice that is like, right, so I'm going to go blue, seven, and then you write that on your pads and that means you've gone up the, the blue thing. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. So on the basis of that like high-level description, which I haven't gone into the details of yet, I was like, and even after reading the manual, to be honest, I was like, this is, this, this is, this has missed the point. This this doesn't <laughs> like the whole thing. The whole reason why Lost Cities is so clever and so mean and so smart and so funny is that you have knowledge of what's coming up in the future. A thing that you can't do with dice. You have knowledge of what your other player, the other player, is going for, and what your other player might not be able to go. You've got information. You've got knowledge about the future. Mm. You've got knowledge about the options that are coming up, and that is just absent here. And that is like the point so i was just like how is this going to work so i was pleasantly surprised to find that the lost cities roll and writes is really nice and quite fun oh. and surprisingly Ooh. interesting okay it's definitely not as good but it's solid so there's a couple of little pinch points and details that i think um weren't so obvious when i was uh when i was thinking about it on that high level thing so i'm going to go into some of that um, so the first thing is that when it's your turn, you roll the dice and you get your pick of all six dice. You have to pick a colour and a number and you get to take whatever you want. Um, and you can, any combination of those two dice. So you take two dice. You then leave a pool for the other players to get. Um, with Now they'll normally have two colours and two numbers to pick from. So they've got less options than you, but they have still got the same power and both uh, both or all of the other players can pick the same combo um mm-hmm. if they want so they've got they don't have to worry about that and you can do that quite quickly and every turn everybody's interested in what everyone's doing which is all really nice stuff um the things that make this interesting again is like first of all so when you are going up the track the, the rule is you have to be putting a number that is the same or higher than the last number that you put on there so if you've right. already got a one then you want to put in another one because then you could get all of the way to the top with just ones and that would be great. Except that's mm-hmm. not going to happen because you're probably not going to get that many ones. And when you do get <laughs> ones, you're probably not going to get the colours that you want. So you end up being like, oh, well, maybe I'll put a, put a two in there. That would be fine. Or maybe, maybe I'll put that three in there and maybe I'll put that four in there. No, that's a terrible idea. Maybe I'll put a six in there. And like you've got these options. And so the other thing that you've got is on the other side of the page, you've got this refusal system, which is basically whenever you have an option to choose dice, whether it's your turn or your or an opponent's, you can say, no, do you know what? I don't want any of those dice. In mm-hmm. which case you cross off a little thing. And this works like an expedition. If you do too little of it, 
you uh, lose points. If you do get, if you do enough of it, you get loads of points. But wait, Tom. But wait, Tom. Oh, oh, I'm waiting. If you get to the top, you lose all of the points you gained for that like kind of quasi expedition that you've got. So like you can own, you've got a budget for how much you can refuse dice during the game, which instantly makes like an interesting decision of like, do I want to jump of being like, is it worth doing that jump knowing that it'll make that expedition harder well, is that better than taking a refusal? What? How much can I afford to refuse stuff to get further? And how is is that worth it? Does that make sense? And then, mm. and then you're collecting pots as well. And there's some little arrows <laughs> okay. on some things. And there's there's just 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 tiny little bits of wrinkly details. There's bridges part way up. So if you are the first person to get a certain distance on an expedition, and this includes the pots expedition, which isn't even an expedition, and the dice <laughs> refusal expedition, that is like what even <laughs> what could that possibly That's the stay mean? at home expedition? The stay at home. Go to the have kitchen a a cup of tea have yeah. you had the correct amount of naps whilst doing your expeditions <laughs> um all of them there's this race to try and get to this like two-thirds of the way up where you get 20 points if you're the first person to do it and everyone else crosses them out if you don't and once all of those bridges have gone that's the end of the game or once everyone is exhausted once everyone has used too many refusals um and that's the end of the game too so there's this kind of race to do things okay. at the right time to get the things up and it is it is such a clever like combination of push your luck stuff and you and you don't have knowledge about what's coming up in the future and that's what turns it into like more significantly more of a gambling thing and raises the tension and allows you to be mean in different ways because you can do this thing where you're taking a set of dice and leaving a horrible decision for your opponents which is always a great feeling um well, this sounds this sounds really good, but it doesn't sound like Lost Cities. Yeah. So would you say that this is something that is like, you know, a great game on its own right? And you'd absolutely say, hey, this is a little fun, little push your luck rolling right. But it's not going to scratch the same itch that that very tense two player card players in Lost Cities. That's the picture that I'm getting from this. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely scratching a, ve- a different itch. Um, it, is, it is definitely better than I thought it was going to be. It is definitely not as good as Lost Cities, but I think that base Lost Cities is a like not like a masterpiece, but like a really solid piece of design. Mm. Um, so, uh, and this doesn't quite get to that point. Like, I think that there's a risk for games to be somewhat samey and for you to get into this similar strategies. But as a little short, quick pastime with dice rolling, hanging around with your friends where everyone's always engaged and everything is always a bit interesting. And when you roll the dice, you occasionally like scream with anguish. Mm. You know, it's got a bit of everything. It's got a bit of enough things. It sounds a little bit like a good little pub game, maybe. Yeah, I think it's probably a solid pub game um, because it's only six dice. The, The sheets are really small. It's not pretty. Um, the box is the box is nice but the 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 sheet itself is like very 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 functional um uh and but it's not too hard to teach it it makes sense um we did get a rule wrong on the first thing and assumed that the 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 little arrows that go up um i assumed that they I, i misread and assumed that they went 
that when you fill that box in you get to fill in the number again a second time and in fact you actually get to like just get a free advance on any of your expeditions and just move something up which is a bit (laughs) um which you know is is a bit interesting and like yeah and it's 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 chance-based but you've got decisions and it works so yeah I like that so actually I, like I think I lied when I said that this I had the same conclusion <laughs> as I did for Terraforming Mars because I think that both of them are this is a game which is probably a bit less interesting than the original game but this right. one is definitely like like it's definitely staying in my collection let's put it that way oh cool like, it's definitely something that I want to hold on to because it's so simple and straightforward. There are better I like roll and the rides. sound of it. There I are... like the sound of it. Yeah. I might get a copy. I think it's cute. It's also very, very cheap. The person I was yeah. talking to decided to buy a copy and they said that they'd, they they could see it for yeah, a bit like, more than like a tenner. It's like £12. Yeah, which is an absolute bargain, 12. really. Um, so, yeah, that's Lost City's roll and rights. Um, I would, yeah, it's, it's a safe-ish bet, but you probably, unless... The, unless you don't play two-player games and can't find situations where you play two-player games, you almost certainly want to get Lost Cities first because it is, I think, the better game. But the Rolling Right is a safe pair of dice. There's six dice. And I'm... Uh-oh. It's a safe three pairs of dice. Okay. It's a safe, safe hands and feet. And another set of feet of dice. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. We'll be back again next week where we're going to talk about probably uh, what's on the menu. It's board games. We've got <laughs> loads of them. Uh, I've got a massive list of games to talk about. I've just played too many things. Uh, if you want more Shut Up and Sit Down, you can check out the YouTube channel where this week, Quinns will have published a review of Blitzkrieg and Caesar. Whew, what a spicy pair of games. I think Caesar's better than Blitzkrieg and I really like it and I kind of want a copy of that because I gave Quinns my copy of Blitzkrieg for the review. Oh. Yeah, how much better is it? Now I want to, I guess I can wait for Quinns review, which has happened you in can. the past you can, for people you can, listening. You can wait your turn. Me. Have yourself, Ava, specifically. Yes, yes I'm listening. A lovely I'm listening. I'm here. I'm little here. week. Have I yourself just said, hold on, a wait. lovely little have, yeah, week. A lovely little week. May your week be lovely. This is get, that was going to go, that will be so in time with the outro theme that's playing <laughs> under, the, not, under the bed of this right now. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. See you soon. Bye.